Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I am Danielle, your host here, and this webinar or this podcast episode that you are experiencing right now is actually the first of the CIMC monthly webinar series. And this was recorded live with other members, and it is with a fellow colleague and team CIMC member, Aria Haney. So she joins me on this webinar series or this episode for the series. So this webinar is about meal planning in today's economy. Some people tend to struggle with their meals and like grocery shopping. And the first thing that tends to go is choosing healthy foods. What doesn't tend to go are our nails, hair, just junk food, eating out and all of that. So we determined to sit down together and devise a plan with actual takeaways for people for their meal plans and shopping. And meal planning does not necessarily mean you're preparing these foods or meal prepping. Meal planning is a whole different thing and it's very, important to sustainable holistic health and healing. So without further ado, enjoy this webinar. All right, welcome to meal planning in today's economy. Our best tips for meal planning on a budget. I am Danielle and and I'm Aria. And we are both nutritional therapy practitioners and part of Team CIMC, and we are so glad that you are here. Whether you're listening live or here attending live, or if you are listening on replay via YouTube or the podcast. First of all, just some a disclaimer that this webinar is for informational purposes only, and it may not be fit for your personal situation and should not be construed as medical advice. Just the things that we need to remind you, the information, and education provided here is not intended or implied to supplement or replace professional medical treatment advice or a diagnosis. Always check with your own physician or medical professional before trying or implementing any information you learn here. All right, Ari, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce you just a little bit and then you can talk a little bit about yourself, but I am Danielle Hofer and I am the owner of Cry to My Cheesecake or CIMC and Aria has graciously decided to join our team and be part of Team CIMC and I'm so glad she's here. So Aria, would you introduce yourself a little or a little bit about yourself, please? So I'm Aria Haney. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm a mom and of three kids and a wife and I got my start in my interest in holistic nutrition back when my son was born almost eight years ago and I've just been on that journey since and I made it official last year when I got my certification so now I'm here on Danielle's team just helping <laughs> share the message <laughs> that's awesome yeah it is it is carrying a message isn't it yeah. And I'm Danielle Hofer, and I'm also a nutritional therapy practitioner. And Aria and I were actually put together as peer partners. We had no idea. We didn't know each other. We had no clue who each other were, but it was just, it was very much like a God thing that he put both of us together to get through. The, it was pretty intensive, wasn't it? The, the schoolwork was yeah, pretty intensive. It was the, I mean, honestly, the support that we had was so needed because it was not easy. <laughs> a lot of scientific information to digest. Yes. Yep. Lots of information, probably what two years worth of schooling we finished in 10 months. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was a lot. So I have a huge passion for helping people just not be held back by their bodies so that they can live their lives abundantly and held back by their bodies. They're either physical size or even the symptoms that they experience every day that they're just like, oh, I'm so tired of. And I have a huge passion for that. And that's why we have crying in my cheesecake. 
Tonight, we're gonna go over meal planning. I know that you've heard about what the meal planning was. We're talking about budget-friendly meal planning, especially in today's economy. So we're gonna talk about what is meal planning. There are some there are some ideas and some preconceived notions of what meal planning actually is. And I think some people make it harder than what it should be. So that's what we're gonna go. And we're gonna talk about the reality of today's economy, the 101, what a balanced plate looks like, talking about the three things you really need to pay attention to, your mindset, pantry items, checking that pantry and making a list. We're gonna talk about sourcing. We're gonna talk about cookware. We're gonna talk about all of the things needed when it comes to meal planning and truly staying on budget and actually maybe even thinking of some things in the future. So like prepare, like maybe there's some things you actually have a little bit of money that you can buy now that can set you up for success even in the future. And then for the people that stay till the very end of this live webinar, you get a free gift and I'm so excited to share with you. It's, it's something that I'm excited about because I would have loved it. And Aria's portion of the free gift, I'm just like, oh, I would have never thought to include something like that. So such an awesome, <laughs> such an awesome gift at the end. All right, so what is meal planning? Meal planning is just the act of thinking ahead about your needs. So thinking ahead about your needs, this not like meal planning is actually not cooking everything. Instead, it is thinking ahead, like looking at your calendar, maybe on Sunday, my husband and I, we stand or we stand, we sit and like look at the calendar and just prepare for the week. We look at what the kids are doing after school, and we look at our work schedules. Is one of us working late? Is one of us out of town? And so then when we look at our calendar, we can plan ahead and decide, okay, well, what foods do we need to cook these days? What do we actually need from the grocery store to to stay within our budget for this so that's what it is it's about thinking ahead and maybe even physically writing down a plan when i when we start meal planning i'll get into this later but when we start meal planning at my house i have a stainless steel refrigerator and so i use a dry erase marker and i write down the meals on that on the stainless steel because it wipes off just fine but i wipe i write down the meals that we have because for me if i say monday we're having this tuesday we're having this well well, maybe what I, what I wrote down on Thursday sounds good for Tuesday. So I just kind of list out the meals that way, but we can go over that a little bit more in detail here in just a few minutes. But we meal plan because life happens. We meal plan because we have mindset issues. We're like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm just going to order out. Or I have a meal plan because, oh, I deserve a dessert tonight or something like that. And you, we meal plan because we need our needs to be met. The reality of today's economy. So I went online and I was looking because I'm like realizing that more money is coming out of our bank account. And I'm just like, where is all this money going? Obvious, it's obvious that it's going to gas, right? But food at home prices have increased 11.9% over the past year. Now this article was taken from May of 2022 and it said our food at home prices increased 11.9% over the past year. The largest 12 month increase since the period ending in April of 1979 what yeah so this is where we're at right now is that food prices are for sure the food prices for at home are increasing and it's for sure it's not like it's not your it's not just your mind or your minds playing tricks on you it is for real the monthly at home food index rose 1.4 percent in may and it's up even one percent increase recorded in april and you know back if you were doing the grocery shopping in may it has only gone up since 
Shelter, gas, and food price increase were the main factors behind the annual increase for all of these items. Again, this is the highest increase in these things since 1981. Yet food away from home sales, by comparison, rose 7.4% over the last 12 months, over 0.7% over April, according to the latest figures. Now, this is the thing that I want to like really bring home with home to you that the food at home price is going up, but also the food away from home. So like your takeaway, you're going to restaurants, your drive-throughs, all of that is still going up. So people's spending habits have not changed. The cost has changed, but the spending habits and the habits around food have not changed. It is easy to, it's going to cost you even more from your bank account, but it's also making it easier to kill you because we are going to start making this shift. And in some of the graphics that I've used for advertising this webinar, what happens is, is when we start thinking like, oh, there's not enough money. Oh, there's not enough gas. Oh, there's not enough food. We start to buy those, the prepackaged foods that are technically cheaper, but also tend to stick to our ribs because we want to feel satiated. We want to feel secu the security of fullness. And really that's honestly going to start to kill us easier. So meal planning 101, it's currently a necessity in today's inflation. We can't just go willy nilly to the grocery store anymore and just say, oh, I think I'm gonna meal plan at the grocery store. I was at Trader Joe's the other day. And for some reason, Trader Joe's has become a very cheap source of food for our family now. But Trader Joe's, there was a gentleman checking us out and he was like, oh, did you guys find everything you need? I said, yeah, I think I got everything on my list. And he's like, oh, I meal plan on the fly when I come into the store. And I'm like, that that's a luxury that we used to be able to do. And responsibility says that today's inflation, that we need to be very cognizant of what we're spending and what we're buying and go into the grocery store with a purpose. The today's pandemic, or this is today's pandemic reality. We need to meet our body's needs, incorporate your wants, and we need to be able to live life abundantly. So incorporating your wants means that you know, sometimes people go through the grocery store and, and go through that bakery section and be like, oh, that looks so good. And somehow these disgusting sugar cookies end up in the cart before you leave. And that is not necessarily a want, a want, or I mean, it is an instant gratification want, but incorporating your wants means something completely different. Incorporating your wants means that you have met your needs first, and then you can, if you can fit your wants in, then that works. So a balanced plate, I made this little graphic for us. A balanced plate looks like this. Pretty much fill your 50% of your plate with fruit and vegetables. Fruit and vegetables, totally good to go. 30% of your plate should be some form of lean protein source. Now, there are some people that are going to tell you, oh, all just meat, right? Or just animal protein. My experience personally, anecdotally with clients and just watching the science and how it go, how it works. The lean protein helps to trigger st your stomach to make stomach acid to digest what's coming. Your stomach acid then is telling or triggering your pancreas and your liver, hey, let's get ready to start digesting and absorbing these nutrients. The more lean protein that you eat, the better, the better functionality you typically have, the better balanced energy you typically have throughout the day and satiation. You feel full, your cells feel like they're getting what they need. So you're not having those cravings. 20% of your plate should be a starch or could be a starch. Starch could be like noodles, your potatoes, corn, whatever, that kind of thing. So if you get the idea of what your plate looks like, notice my plate does not look like the federal government guidelines because the federal government guidelines do not 
address bioindividual needs and is typically lobbied by companies for money, not for your health. So there is that. But I just wanna make sure that fruits, vegetables, lean protein, and your starches, these are all whole food sources of things. Fat, we will talk about fat here in just a moment. But your first step is protein. So I'm gonna go back to that slide before this. 30% of your plate should be protein. So I always think, and Aria, please step in here when you about with this too, with meal planning for protein sources. When I think of protein, or when I think of meal planning, I'm always thinking, what is my protein source first? Always thinking, okay, what is my protein source? Some people in the fitness industry like to just use one protein, one protein for the whole week. That's not ideal. The goal is to have probably two different proteins during the week that if you are meal planning, you can make the two different types of proteins and make it into different meals. Aria, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree because I find that a lot of people, I mean, me personally, I don't mind, but a lot of people, the biggest thing, even clients that I've had, they don't like leftovers. They don't like repeating things over and over. Yeah. Yep. So it would be for that, you know, just so that you have some variety and also because variety is going to give you different levels of nutrients. So I think it's better because of that, you know, you'll get one one day, maybe you have your salmon and that's going to provide different different nutrients besides the protein than a grass fed steak. So, you know, mix it up so that you have different levels of variety and minerals and nutrients within your meal, too. Yeah. Agreed. So I over here on the left hand side. So if you are not watching this live or on YouTube, I have two columns on this slide and the left hand side says bioavailable proteins. Well, what does that mean? I put these in order of the proteins that are the most bang for your buck. Okay. Bioavailable means that this protein is going to be absorbed into your cells much faster with less digestive issues, less, less need to break down. And it's more available to your cells. Like it's just going to be picked up. The, the amino acids are going to be picked up into your cells a lot easier. Okay. So I listed these in the, the best, biggest bang for your buck, the most protein available or most bioavailable proteins. The first one is whey protein isolate blends. Now I am not one that's going to say yay protein powder, no protein powder, because the first one is whey protein isolate. The second one on the list is whey concentrate. Whey protein isolate and whey concentrate, I personally only use them when I'm struggling to meet my protein needs for the day. Or I use them when I haven't been to the store or haven't meal prepped enough protein to get my needs in for that day. These proteins should not, in my opinion, should not be relied upon as your first sources of protein. But if you are someone new to meal planning and to eating more animal and plant proteins, you can easily start here. This is an easy, cheaper option for you to get in these proteins. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do the same thing sometimes when I feel like I don't have enough. <laughs> yeah. And so the next one is a whole egg, cow's milk. Even though a whole egg is technically not a full protein source, the whole egg will give you six grams of protein and it is bioavailable. Egg whites are next. Those are five grams of protein, different kinds of fish, your beef, your chicken, your casein. Casein is also a protein powder, but it takes forever to digest. So it's like, I think it takes like three, four hours to even digest. So that is something that we can even do a whole nother webinar over is casein and what it's what it's really good for. But casein would be a good one. 
rice, soy, wheat, beans, and peanuts. All of these have some form of protein that are bioavailable. And I'm not saying that the quality of them is great. And I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the biggest bang for your buck in bioavailable proteins. Now, if you're like, okay, but how much do I need? I know you said 30% of my plate needs to be protein. Absolutely. But what that actually turns into is 0.8 to 1.5 grams per pound of lean body weight. Now, if you are overweight, when I say overweight, I mean legit like overweight, like your BMI is probably like 28 to, and higher. When you are that, choose your realistic goal weight. Or you probably don't know your, you probably don't know your lean body weight. There are methods to do that. Not all of them are perfect. But basically, you should not, if you know you, if you're getting enough protein, one, you should not have, need a snack throughout the day. Two, you should not need, you should not have sweet cravings throughout the day. Three, you, if you get 25 to 45 grams of protein per meal, you're probably getting enough to start, okay? Carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, we always think of carbs as like our cookies and pizza and pasta and all of that. But vegetables, fruit, and starches are also carbohydrates. So when people say carbs are bad, what they're actually meaning are the highly processed carbs that are bad. It is not the fruits, vegetables, and starches. And well, I guess some people will say starches are bad, whatever. But do you want to help me with this one with the vegetables and fruit and stuff? Talk about like the, the nutrients that are in them and the starches and so forth. Yeah. So, okay. So definitely what you want to do is make sure that your vegetable, you know, when you're having, you're building your plate, your vegetables, I think should be a huge portion too. Now you have your protein, like we talked about, then your veggies, you're going to want to have as many. I feel like veggies are a free for all. You can have as many as you want, broccoli, whatever. And especially all the colorful veggies are going to have phytonutrients, polyphenols, all those great minerals and things like that. Then when you get to your starches, that should be a smaller portion but there's also so many great options with starches. You can have sweet potato, white rice. I'm just looking at the picture here. Like <laughs> there's some beans and lentils, you know, like those are great. A lot of times I think we demonize the starches and the those two, but I say, you know, they're definitely part of a healthy balanced diet and the fruit too. You know, a lot of people fear fruit because of the sugar, but you want to keep in mind that this is fruit. This is a whole food. This has, it does have sugar, but it's a natural sugar in the form of fructose. And on top of that, it has fiber with the skin. So you're getting a lot of nutrients and things with that too. I would say definitely have your fruit after a meal so that, you know, it doesn't spike your blood sugar by itself, but it can, it is a great part of, of a healthy diet and it shouldn't be feared. I love fruit. <laughs> yes, me too. I love that you said it shouldn't be feared because I wanted to share this story and I totally forgot about it until just now. But I have had clients that come from certain programs. I'll just leave it at that. If you need to listen to another podcast episode to understand what companies I'm talking about, you can do that. But there are clients that have come or have come to me and they're scared of sweet potatoes. They're scared of watermelon. They're scared of bananas. And they're scared of, there was some other like, com, like, super healthy food and they were scared of it and the thing is is that yes carbohydrates cause you to hold i think it's 2.3 grams of water so per every gram of carbohydrate you eat causes you to hold like 2.3 or two something a gram of water so yes it's going to do that but the idea of it is to put the muscle the water in your muscles to keep your muscles vibrant and alive and and building and regrowing and all of that but carbohydrates the preferred the preferred method of energy for your brain is the carbohydrates. The other thing 
too is people that do keto will say, oh, you don't need carbs to live. That's cool. But I'll also say you cannot outsmart your body. Your body is so smart that it will turn protein and fat into carbohydrates. Why? Because we need carbohydrates. When you are in, when you are sick and you are in the hospital, do they send you or do they hook you up to a protein bag? Do they hook you up to a fat bag? No, they hook you up to a glucose bag because your body needs carbohydrates. And by doing it in the IV bag, it's because it, it's much faster energy for your body to start healing. So do not fear carbohydrates. Carbohydrates can and should be eaten as part of your meal. So remember, carbohydrates are pretty much 50% of your plate. Protein is 30% of your plate. How do we source these? carbohydrates obviously fresh and local is the best fresh and local will also typically be cheapest the next option i would say is frozen and then the uh, final option is canned and if you're doing canned i don't want to like fear monger people or anything like that do the best you can like, start where the best you can if you come from eating fast food non-stop or eating out or just eating junk food non-stop and you're new to eating whole food start with what you can start with a canned food then move into the frozen or then move into the fresh, however it goes for you. But the canned, if you're going to do canned and you are an avid whole food, you're already used to eating whole foods, or maybe you just want to start doing this, look for canned. Ari, you're going to have to help me without BPA, but what else am I looking for? Like no sugar added and- No sugar added, no preservatives, obviously. A lot of times they put like fillers, like random preservatives to keep it fresher. So just make sure there's no like weird stuff you don't recognize. I feel like sea salt is okay. Right. Usually it comes, they yeah. have salt in yep. them that I wouldn't fear. I know some people say, oh, canned food maybe has more sodium or something because of that. But salt is another one we don't have to fear that I feel like we have it ingrained in us that it's bad for us when it isn't. So I wouldn't be worried about yep. that. I would just watch out for the preservatives and any definitely added sugars because you don't need to be eating added sugars in your vegetables. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. There's no reason for that. <laughs> so, all right. The first step was protein. Second step is carbohydrates. Third step is fats. And Ari, I'm gonna lean on you on this one for a little bit too. So fats, fats are important. They are like the kindle, or I'm sorry, they are like the log on the fire of our energy. They're what keeps us going. Fats are also required so that we can absorb our nutrients, our vitamins and our minerals. And fats also help keep our cells alive and vibrant. And fats mm -hmm. are the preferred source of energy for our heart. Interesting, isn't it? So Aria brought up like people are scared of salt and things and they're usually scared of salt and sugar because they're eating this crap over here on the left. They're eating mm -hmm. canola oil, vegetable oil, safflower oil, Crisco. Margarine. I'm trying. What else? Margarine. 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 And I am a girl that grew up on margarine and I will be the first to tell you I did. And I was terrified to switch over to real fat. Why was I terrified? I was terrified because my father had a heart attack when he was 42. I was 11 years old. So I grew up on no, like non-fat everything. I was taught to believe that fat, fat means heart attack, fat means diabetes, all of that. But what really was, we ended up eating margarine. We ended up eating more like the things that have the little stamp of the heart healthy on them. And my dad continued to like degrade. He's still degrading. Like it's still going down. His health is going downhill, even though he eats really good quality foods he eats really good portions and what happens is he is so inflamed from these oils on the left and he was not taught 
to incorporate the oils on the right. So things like avocado oil, and I'll, I'll need your help on how the what the labels should say on these, but avocado oil, coconut oil, ghee, butter, like Kerrygold butter is one of my favorite butters, tallow and lard, those are all good to cook with as well. Can you talk about what needs to be on the bottle or the container? Yes, yeah, so for, for for olive oil and, well, I'll start with avocado oil because avocado oil, recently there was a lot of studies done that there's a lot of rancid avocado oils out there. So if you're gonna purchase avocado oil, definitely get Chosen Foods brand. That's one of the best brands and it's safe. So I would get that. Also make sure when you're getting olive oil that it's not like blended with anything. Sometimes the stores will try to trick you, you know, they'll be like, you'll think it's healthy. Oh, I'm getting olive oil, but it's cut with vegetable oil or it's a blend of some other kind of oil that's inflammatory. So you have to check for that because that's a sneaky way that, you know, they can make things cheaper and kind of add filler to it. So definitely check for that. I think on the veg on the coconut oil, you should be fine as long as you're getting unrefined coconut oil. Ghee is a good one because a lot of people who are lactose intolerant can tolerate that because it is stripped of all the, that's the word I'm trying to say, the lactose. So yep. that's a uh, dairy source that is okay for people who are lactose intolerant and and yeah and with the butters try you know try to get grass fed but i don't think it's the end of the world if you're just starting out like if you're going from canola oil to regular butter you know cooking on your food like that's still going to be a great shift so you know don't stress the brand so much in the beginning and then maybe you graduate you know to a grass fed or grass finished butter once you feel more confident in you know in your cooking ability and things like that and your knowledge yeah, and it's scary. It's scary to go away from what we've been told and taught in the past to move forward with butter, you know, like regular oils, or I guess I should say, or regular fats. And I won't, I'm not kidding when I say that I did an experiment. I had them check my cholesterol before, mm. before margarine and after like using oils for or like, you know, these on the right, the whole sourced foods, fats and things. And I checked my cholesterol and it was, it was just a tiny bit even less than what margarine had, like my total cholesterol numbers. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, and the good, the, yeah, and the good cholesterol, whatever, I forget which one's which, the HDL. Oh. Yep, they actually like started like going in the right, like right in the right way that they're supposed to be. Now there's more, there's more to digesting fats and things like that. And we can do another webinar on that, but I'm just going to say for my current lifestyle and the way that I'm learning how to incorporate these things, especially even without a gallbladder, if you, ha if you don't have a gallbladder, this is something to talk to Aria or myself about, but ha not having a gallbladder and the ability to digest fats is difficult and a struggle and you may get diarrhea or even constipation or upper quadrant pain near your liver. So that is something to, to, to talk about and to think about and message or send us a message about this. But yeah, these these butters, or I mean, sorry, these butters, I'm like wanting butter apparently. These fats are definitely the way that we are supposed to digest and absorb our minerals. All right, Aria, the, ch the pantry checklist. Yes, so here's my portion now. Okay, so pantry checklist. So when you're starting, <laughs> when you're starting out, you know, with meal prepping, obviously you want to make sure that you have a fully stocked pantry. I mean, you can start little by little, obviously, but you want to make sure that you have quality items in your pantry that you can use to make these meals better. You know, we want to have good seasonings and different sauces and things and condiments to make our meals more fun. A big problem 
is having bland food. Nobody wants to have bland food and you're not going to want to eat it if it's bland. <laughs> so we need to have these, you know, we need to start getting little things like seasonings and spices that are going to make our food more fun. One thing, I think I wrote it on another slide, but one thing that helps me, you know, with meal planning and staying on track is kind of making similar meats every week, but just seasoning them different. You know, one week I'll have curry chicken thighs and then the next week it's, you know, I use a little paprika and oregano or something else and, and you know, marinate it with balsamic vinegar or something like that. So what's going to make your food more appealing and appetizing is mixing it up and changing the seasonings and the spices. You know, these are going to be like your little helpers, you know, to kind of transform your meals into something different. So we're going to give you at the end a much longer comprehensive list. But here I just have listed like you know, the things that you're going to want to have. You're going to have want to have thickening agents. That's like your cornstarch or your arrowroot starch grains, your quinoa, your rice, your starches like we showed on the previous slide, nuts and seeds. Make sure they're raw because they're easier to digest. And a lot of times nuts and seeds are going to have different oils and things like that that are not necessary. So just make sure that they're raw because those are going to be the healthiest ones for you. Seasonings and spices, your salt, your pepper, but obviously your other things like paprika, oregano, onion powder, like those are my go-tos. Quality fats, like we spoke about before your shelf stable ones, sauces and condiments. So this is where you can get a little more creative and, you know, spice things up a little. Maybe you have a marinara sauce or, you know, there's also a lot of things like coconut aminos out there that you can make Asian inspired dishes with. And then your canned sauce or canned things. So like tomato sauces, roasted peppers, you know, I use that a lot in chili, roasted tomatoes. I mean, fire roasted tomatoes. I use that in chili all the time because it's a really great flavor. Canned coconut milk, which is really great for like your Thai dishes and things like that. So yeah, that's what you're, you're going to want to make sure that you have these things to kind of elevate your meals and make them a little more fun. Yeah. And then the cooking and kitchen tools. Oh, wait. Yeah. So can we go back to that last slide real quick? Okay. So this is what I would have never thought about having the healthy baking and thickening agents. I would have never thought about that being healthy. I'm like, oh, nothing, nothing baking aisle could be healthy. They're all bad or they're all okay. Or it's just all whatever. And I like, even now to this day, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Cause I didn't even think about like the arrowroot instead of cornstarch or the thickening, or that would be a thickening agent, but like the types of flowers, the types of brands to look for. And then on the handout, Ari, I'm looking at the handout right now cause I'm gonna show, oh. but I didn't even think about this either, but baking soda, some of it has aluminum in it. Hello, why, why? Why, why is right? <laughs> So like we on the pantry checklist that Aria so graciously made, she even gives you like examples of what to look for, what not to look for, and to make sure that you're getting a quality brand. So I really, really love this pantry checklist. I will probably print it out myself and put it in my pantry just to make sure oh. that I am paying attention. <laughs> All right, on yeah. to the next one. Like things you don't think about, you know, like you never know. So cooking and kitchen tools. So obviously if you're gonna be meal prepping, you're gonna need some quality, not necessarily always high quality, but you're gonna need some tools, you know, to get the job done. So that's what we have here for you on this slide. It's important to note that, you know, a lot of these things, while maybe you're thinking, oh, but a cast iron skillet is more expensive than the Teflon pan I have or, or whatever. But, you know, the way that me and Danielle wanna kind of reframe it as is that these are like investment pieces in your kitchen that are gonna last for years to come. They're not going to wear out. They're not going to break and they're better quality for you and your family. And one really cool thing about cast iron pan is that it adds 
nutrition to your meals. You know, it gives you a little extra iron in your meals. Who doesn't need a little extra iron, right? <laughs> so if you don't eat a lot of red meat, I mean, that's something that could, you can really benefit from. So they're really great to have and they really help with the flavor of the food. So a lot of the things that I use continuously in my kitchen, I'm, I make a lot of sheet pan meals. So that's when I, you know, I put like chicken, vegetables. This is also a great way to utilize meal, to do in meal prep. And I line it with a cat, with a parchment paper. So parchment paper is really great. You know, you don't want to use aluminum foil too much because similar with the baking soda that we just talked about, it can have aluminum, has aluminum in it, just a heavy metal and, you know, it can leach into your food. So you want to try to avoid using that as much. So I also use silicone baking sheets. I got it at Costco for like a pack of, I don't know, maybe like six or something. And they come in different sizes and shapes. But you can buy them individually too on Amazon. I have my cast iron skillet. And to be honest, cast iron skillets actually are pretty cost effective. You can buy them at Walmart. I think the biggest one I have was maybe about 20 bucks. And then they come in multiple other sizes too. Ceramic is also a good option because this is really, it's good quality, but also will last really, really long and has no chemicals that leach into your food. Stainless steel, that's the last option. And then reusable glass containers. So if you're doing meal prep for like lunches and things like that, you want to wrap your pack up your food. That's great to have because you can just pre-pack your food and have it for the week and you just grab it and go. And what's great about the glass containers is you can reheat them. You really shouldn't be reheating your food in plastic because of the same things we talked about before. The chemicals can leach into your food. It's not good for you. And another thing with the plastic, it gets really worn over time. They get warped, they get like melty. Like they're just, while they may be cheaper, I think in the long run, you're gonna save more money with the reusable glass containers because they're never gonna do all that stuff, you right? They're gonna last forever and ever unless you drop it. <laughs> so just be careful with that because I'm a little clumsy. So <laughs> I had to throw that in there. And, and then, so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Can, no, I, can no. I interrupt on the Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll finish up. So I was really like, I am one of these people that's like, oh, I am not doing, that just sounds so stupid. Like that is not, that is not going to cause problems. Like my plastic old Rubbermaid or, you know, my generic butter tubs, whatever that I was using as reusable containers to store my leftovers in. I was like, they're just so expensive. But you know what I was looking at? I was looking on Instagram. I was looking at what people like Instagram fitspos were using on, on there. And I'm like, I can't afford that. I have a family of five. And we need to be able to eat. And this is like so ridiculously expensive to me. Ikea actually has glass reusable containers. I didn't know that. Now they have as bam bamboo lids that you can use. And they also have, they are plastic lids that can snap over the edges. But I let my food cool down inside the glass. And then I put the reusable lid on, you know, so that it's not like leaching in heat and whatever. But they also have like the bamboo lids as well. And they're very reasonable. I feel like it's like $4 was the most we spent on one container. So that wasn't terrible. Another thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say they even have them at like Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Home Goods. Like you can get if you oh, need okay. like a one off one. I've gotten some there too in like really cool shapes and sizes for like salads and things. So, okay. Get one and then every yeah. paycheck buy another one. <laughs> yep. No, that's exactly it. Like one paycheck buy one. Like one. Nobody says that you need. So here's what some people do wrong is they go like and they learn all of the stuff we're trying to show you tonight mm -hmm. and they'll want to go out and change everything or they'll be like, you know, S-C-R-E-W that and I'm not going to do any of it. So I'm just going to live the way I'm going to live. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to show you like choose one. Maybe you start with parchment paper or maybe you see that Costco has those silicone mats on sale and you're like, oh, yes, I'm going to start there. Or maybe you go and you see at a garage sale. So garage sales always have almost always 
never use whatever those are called anyway but they almost always have some kind of a cast iron thing there and you can always bring it back to life you can always bring it back to life even if it's rusted to all crazy you can still sand it off and actually re-season it and make it even yeah. you know it's back so, to life. So, so durable yes another option i use is ballerini they are a non-stick but they're granite so they're granite skillets and i love them to death and i've had them for four years now and they were reasonable for a set of like a whole set of them i think it was like 250 dollars for a whole set of them but now those aren't necessarily the best cast iron is probably cast iron and stainless steel i would say are probably the top of the line they're what actual real cooks and chefs use right so okay go ahead aria sorry for interrupting no it's it's important stuff that was a good point i was just gonna say like the reason why we're avoiding these things is you know what i wrote here is that a lot of these things have endocrine disrupting chemicals okay so you know, it's not just what we eat, but it's also what we eat on that can contain chemicals and things like that that can affect our hormones and our cells. So just keep that in mind. I got this little quote from a review from the CDC that PFAS, which is a chemical that is usually in the in those Teflon pans, I think it's been banned now, but it can sometimes still be in there. It can cause cancer, liver damage, decreased fertility, and increased risk of asthma and thyroid disease. And these are all chronic illnesses that, you know, are on the rise right now. And, you know, if you think about it, our environment and, you know, the things that we're using every day have a lot to do with the reason why people get these. You know, obviously there's that genetic component, but a lot of the times, you know, our environment is a big thing too. So just be aware of that. You know, you're you're making these meals every day on these foods. I mean, on these tools, <laughs> so be careful and conscious of what, you know, what you're cooking on to, not just what you're eating. Okay. So we kind of talked about this a little bit before too, about having a plan, right? Having a list and not just winging it at the grocery store, but that's kind of what this is slide is about. So just, you know, some little tips and tricks to really stay within your budget and not go crazy. A lot of times I tend to go to stores, like say if I go to Whole Foods or Costco, like the grocery store to me is like my luxury spending, right? <laughs> like I go there and I just wanna buy all the new cool products, but lately that has gotten a lot more expensive and I can't really do that as much. So have a plan, you know, make a list before you go, stick to that list and make sure that you get the things that you really need. And then if you have a little extra, then you know, get the things that you wanna try and that are fun and fresh and new. And one thing that I do that really helps me stay on task too is I have, I always have a running list on my phone with like the little check thing that you can check off. And I, you know, I check off as I go in the store so that I know that it's in my cart or whatever and I don't need it anymore. And I also write down ideas of meals that I wanna make, you know? So this helps me to know, okay, I'm gonna make this, this, and this this week. I'm gonna buy the ingredients just for this. And then I'm not buying things that go bad in my fridge or get wasted. So, you know, that was a big problem because me, when I first got married, I didn't know how to cook. I wasn't used to grocery shopping. I was spoiled when I lived with my parents. <laughs> So I had to learn all that from scratch and I had to realize that, okay, I have to make a list. I have to buy the things that are on the list and I have to plan what I'm going to make or I'm making or I'm buying stuff that I don't even need. So, you know, only buy what you need, make that list and utilize your freezer. You know, like we talked about before, buy those frozen vegetables and fruits because you can stock up on those when they're on sale and they're always really cheap. You know, you're never going to buy frozen grocery vegetables that are more than like five, like three dollars a bag you know they're very price efficient so stock up on those things and you'll always have them on hand and you always have a veggie to add to your meal you know if you don't want to buy fresh or you're worried about it going bad another thing you can do too is which is a great way to save on food waste and cost is to prep freezer meals there's tons of blogs out there that are just even focused specifically on this topic of like prepping freezer meals 
just basically what you're going to do is you're going to like shove all this stuff into like a Ziploc bag and you're going to freeze it and then you're going to take it out and defrost it and you make it that day. So that's another thing you can do too. Or you can freeze extra meals that you made too as a way to save and not throw out food. I love how you mentioned what it was like when you first got married because that was the way it was for me too. Like I knew how to cook, but my husband would cook and then we also did a lot of we did a lot of overbuying because we got excited to try new things. Yeah. And you're like new in your marriage and you're like, "Oh, everything's new. Let's try something new." Oh, let's we saw this on the Food Network during the t look at like how old I am now. Food <laughs> Network was my Instagram or TikTok. So, maybe I wanted to try I wanted to try all of those new things, but really I couldn't do all that in a week or before it went bad. So I think that we actually had someone RSVP to come to this webinar and she was like, I'm newly married. I don't know how to cook for just two people. I, I always cook for myself and my, and you know, her family, her family of origin, but she's like, I don't know how to cook for just two, especially when the husband eats a lot more. He's very active and very fit and he eats a lot more. And she's like, I don't know, like it's really hard. And so I think that that's really what we like going back to the very beginning, plan with your protein and how much that that person needs plan with the quantity of carbs, like thinking half your plate has to be carbs thinking, or I'm sorry, the, you know, car fruits and vegetables. And then that, like what I say, a third of the plate or something, whatever, a third of the plate or something being starches. So, and thinking about it that way, like, okay, cool. I'm not going to buy this this week. Next week on my on my meal plan, I'm for sure going to put that down and figure out a recipe to use that, whatever that new thing is. So instead of like that impulse buy, like throwing it in the cart when you're dri driving, when you're walking past, put it in your notes app. I love how, sh how Aria just mentioned, use your notes app and put it on your notes app for next week so that you don't forget and you don't feel like you have a place to put that thought and that excitement. You put it in a place and it's on that app, right? Yeah. And then you always have like a running list and then you have ideas too. Like, okay, I made this three weeks ago. It was great. Let me make it again. You know, like yep. it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's really about just having like basics that you stick to and you kind of just play with and swap and rearrange. Like that's really what I do because I personally, I'm not huge into cooking. Like, I mean, I like to cook easy. It has to be easy, you know? And I really don't like making meals from like blogs because I don't want to do a bunch of steps. I don't have time for that. So once you get a good like base of like four meals that you know how to make, you can reinvent them, you know, and kind of rotate them. Yep, for sure. Okay, so con to continue with staying in budget, actually, we just talked about this, having the basic meal staples in your budget, I mean, in your weekly rotation, like we talked about on your little list, stick with similar cuts of meat, but just change the seasonings and sides, like I talked about with the pantry items. Ground meat is a great budget-friendly protein option. So this is something I use all the time. I constantly make ground beef because, and ground chicken too sometimes, because it's cost-effective, it has all the protein I need, and I can easily make it taste like whatever I want it to taste like. You can make spaghetti meat sauce with it. You can make burgers. I made burgers yesterday from scratch. You can make meatballs. You can make breakfast sausage. Like, it goes on and on. <laughs> you can make so many things and so many flavors. You can do an Asian-style dish with, like, some coconut aminos and ginger. Or, you know, maybe you do a more Mexican or, like, Latin-style dish and you add like cumin and I'm trying to think like a salsa or something like that. You know, so there's so many options. It's like limitless. Shop around. You know, this one might be a little more, might be a little more harder, might be harder because you're having to go to different places. But one thing I've learned is, you know, going to different grocery stores, often you find different things 
that are, or similar things that are cost priced differently. So for example, I go to Trader Joe's a lot to get my produce, organic produce and, and fruits and vegetables and stuff because it's a lot cheaper there to buy organic for some reason, I guess because it's all the Trader Joe's brand. So, you know, or Aldi even is a good example. You know, everything there is a lot cheaper and they still have good quality organic if you feel that you want to buy organic. Shopping seasonal is really great. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier too. You know, if you buy fruits and vegetables that are in season, they're going to be much cheaper than if you buy a pineapple in the middle of the winter and it's like six dollars, you know, so wait. And it's also going to be fresher because it's made for that season. And then buy generic. I buy the store brand all the time. A lot of people, you know, they'll go to Whole Foods and they buy all these specialty brands and stuff. But Whole Foods has a really great 365 brand that's so much cheaper than all of the other stuff there that you'll get different brands that are going to be like three dollars more you know so don't be afraid of generic brands another thing i wanted to add to that is a lot of times these food manufacturers they make things in the same you know they're making things for major brands in the same factory same quality it's just the brand that you're paying for so don't think that just because you're buying i don't know i can't think of a brand right now but if something like primal kitchen yeah primal kitchen versus you know the store brand it's going to be better if the ingredients are similar and comparable buy the cheaper brand. Like why spend $3 just for the Primal Kitchen label? You know, so you're giving them money. <laughs> so yep. think about it that way that, you know, it, the quality is not worse just because it's the store brand. It's just cheaper because they don't have to pay more to, to market it and all that stuff. Okay, so this is Pinterest worthy. <laughs> so this little slide is kind of to talk to you guys about you know, a lot of times we get overwhelmed because like we talked about before, we're in the age of social media and we're always comparing like, oh, their meals look so much better or oh, they have such a nicer kitchen. So of course they can make these fancy meals. Well, no, it doesn't have to be that way. These are just examples of easy things that I've made myself. I am, they're not Pinterest worthy. <laughs> they're just things that, you know, I slapped on a plate, whatever, but I got all the needs that I needed. So like, for example, my breakfast here on the left, I had like what, like three eggs and some egg whites, I think, with some chicken sausage and strawberries. You know, there I have my protein, my fat with the eggs, and then my strawberries are my carbs. So, you know, that's not Pinterest worthy, but it was still healthy and it hit all my needs. Oh, <laughs> and then you have the right, a little burger, not a burger, a ground meat situation that I made. <laughs> so <laughs> same thing like I talked about earlier. Here was, I guess, like a more Latin inspired where I put like peppers and onions inside. I had some cheese, I guess like kind of like a fajita, like a, or a ground beef kind of thing. And I had avocado, so you have your fat there. And then I just had some veggies, like a little salad with Roman, romaine lettuce and tomatoes. So your meal doesn't have to be perfect. We're not food bloggers. Like you don't have to worry about posting what you make. It just has to hit your, you know, your macronutrient values and be tasty and enjoyable. So don't get stressed over what it looks like <laughs> because yep. as long as it tastes good, that's all that matters. And my grandfather always said, it's all going to the same place anyway. Yes, it's all gonna be mush. <laughs> yep. Right. <laughs> it's all gonna be the same or going to the same place anyway. Okay. So back to ingredient sourcing, we, we kind of touched a little bit on organic versus non-organic. So this is also a big thing that can kind of cause people to not want to buy certain things because they're like, oh, well, I can't afford to buy organic for everything. And that's okay. I mean, honestly, I think if you're washing your food really well, your produce really well, that and you can't afford it, you're doing the best you can by just buying whole foods. That's fine. Start there. But if you want to start buying more organic because you're becoming more conscious about you know, the things that are being put on our foods, like the pesticides and things like that, then look at the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. 
So you're going to, what, what this helps to do is help you to realize, okay, if I'm eating the skin, then I want to buy the clean 15 because they have less pesticides. So that's what that's for. You don't need to buy organic bananas, organic oranges. If you're not going to peel and eat the skin, because you don't have to worry about it because you're not going to be eating what has the pesticides on it. So just try to avoid the dirty 12 and the clean 15. And this is, this can be easily found every year is updated by the environmental working group. You can easily find this on their website as like a little, I put a little snip there, but usually they have like, when you first go on their website, you can just add your email and they give you like a free printable and you can save this on your phone and bring it to, with you to the grocery store to kind of decipher, okay, do I need to buy this organic? Should I buy organic tomatoes or not organic? You know, that kind of thing. And something that just came to mind too, like I don't like, I do buy a lot of conventional foods, especially if it's on sale, I'm gonna buy it. I'm, I'm just gonna be real. Sometimes I do just buy the conventional and I really make sure that I scrub or soak my dirty foods that I do buy. But something that you said made me think of something. If you're meal planning and you know what you're gonna have and you don't need tomatoes this week, why would you even buy tomatoes? You don't even have to buy tomatoes, period. You don't have to worry about clean or dirty. If you're not gonna use bell peppers this week or celery or whatever, so it doesn't really matter. And maybe you're in a green bean mood and green beans, I mean, I'm assuming green beans, where are green beans? Where would they, those be? Cause you eat the outsides, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see those on here. What the heck? <laughs> okay, so maybe that's just a you choose. And mostly, like, fresh green beans are usually local anyway, usually. So that's a good question. Maybe we should look that up. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I do buy, do I buy organic? I usually buy the frozen organic Costco ones. Okay. I usually buy fresh just because I like the flavor of them cooked all day with some bacon grease. Okay, so you're, yeah, so if you're, if you, like, it just, if you're meal planning, you know then well, I don't even need to worry about these organic ones because all of the stuff that I'm planning today or this week is under the clean 15. So you don't even have to worry about it, right? All right, moving into mindset. So we have already talked about this economy and how things are kind of feeling like we're a little getting scarce, our, our pockets are hit. We've given you some advice on how to manage your budget and your what actually matters when you're meal planning and going to the grocery store. We've talked about all of those things that like like, make us excited and we're like we find other things in our cart when we get out and when we get to the checkout we're like oh man i overspent and we feel bad all of that well we have what's called a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset the scarcity mindset says there will never be enough that's when you are putting in the cart two and three and four extra servings or extra packets of something in the cart because you're like i don't know what i'm going to need this again whereas abundance says there will always be more that I can always go back to that grocery store and go find something else. I can be creative, okay? Scarcity competes to stay on the top. It hoards things from others, including food. It won't share knowledge. It won't offer help to others. It's suspicious of others. It resents competition, is afraid of being replaced, believes that all the time, that time is tough, that the times right now are tough, believes that the pie is shrinking, thinks small and avoids risk, fears change. And so fears change means that maybe you want to stay the same and stay in the scarcity mindset and like have those stick to your ribs foods because you're just afraid of changing. What happens if there's not enough or if I don't have enough money or if, this, if I go to bed hungry or my kids go to bed hungry? I'm gonna tell you like I tell my kids, you're an American, most of you, well, most of you that listen to this, most Americans are not going to bed hungry. Let's be real. Nobody's going to bed hungry. And most Americans have enough extra weight on their bodies that they're not going to starve. 
So fearing change and thinking small and avoids risks. You, if you think small and avoid the risk of just sticking to what's on your list, that's scarcity mindset. If you can't just stick to what's on your list. Now I understand that sometimes your list may be rushed and you're like, forget something. I get that. But if you start throwing in cookies or you start throwing in boxed rice meals, or you start throwing in frozen Stouffer's meals, that is telling me that there's a scarcity mindset. Whereas the abundance collaborates to stay on top, is generous with others, shares knowledge, freely offers help to others, trusts and builds rapport, welcomes competition, strives to grow, believes the best is yet to come, believes the pie is growing, thinks big and he embraces those risks, embraces the risk of just relying on that meal plan, takes ownership of change. Like, yes, this change, I'm going to own it meaning I'm going to take ownership over everything that comes up because I'm going to take this, this risk of this change. And so the way that you can help start moving from scarcity to abundance is the cart check. I have my clients that struggle with this. I have them go through, like I have the meal plan. I have them go to the grocery store with their list. And then before they check out, look inside that cart and make sure what's on that list and what's in that cart match get rid of the things that don't match and then go check out that is a good way to make sure that you have stuck to what you said you wanted to do that you can take ownership of the change that's coming ahead and if you need more support and you want more help we are over here helping you live life abundantly no matter where you are in your wellness journey the Wilderness of Wellness is a group platform that has courses, has weekly accountability meetings, has twice monthly mental health support, has a whole like community, literally Team CIMC behind you, helping you move to where your next best step is. Your accountability could simply be showing up on the Wednesday night calls for the Wilderness of Wellness and saying, hey, here's my meal plan. Can someone hold me accountable to this or help me figure out and make sure that this is good enough? Or can someone hold me accountable to my checkout, to my receipt, what I actually check out with? Could you imagine a life where you are not alone and that you actually have help in your back pocket, in your phone, or on the website? What would life be like if you had that extra help? The Wilderness of Wellness is open for everyone, no matter where you are in your wellness journey. And as a thank you for coming to this webinar, there is a free gift. We have a resources handout and I am going to see if I can figure out how to share this with you. Look at me go. I think I can do it. <laughs> Here is the sneak peek of there the resource you get. There is the healthy pantry staples that like Aria so graciously made and went over. And then I made you a 15 ingredient program meal plan. 15 ingredients. That's it. I want you to look at this. Look at this grocery shopping list, 15 ingredients. That's it. And that provides you meals for the whole week. So that is our thank you to you for showing up tonight for this. I just want to thank you for coming and I want to thank you for joining us.
Thank you so much for joining us on this webinar, our first ever webinar series on meal planning and especially in this economy, right? If you enjoyed this podcast and you enjoyed this webinar, would you please consider liking and subscribing to this channel wherever you are listening or watching this from and leave a comment. We would love to hear from you and just hear what you've got from this, from this webinar, from this episode. If you want to continue to support the creation of these podcasts and these webinars, you can support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash CIMC. All right, guys, I'll see you next time.